Hopefully you grab the outline on the way in. Anybody uh, need a copy of the outline, just raise your hand. We can have one of the men bring you one, anybody at all tonight. But if you have your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter number 16. 1 Corinthians chapter number 16. And of course, as we turn to the Word of God tonight, I know that I was always encouraged by Gladys as I preached. And she would come up to me, talk to me many times after messages about how the Lord spoke to her. And tonight, uh, if you're visiting with us, we have been going through on Sunday nights what we're calling Stand for Truth. And I, I hope that everyone here tonight knows the Lord as their Savior. The one thing that God has instructed us to do is to stand, especially in this evil day. And I hope tonight will be an encouragement to you. And I've entitled the message tonight, Withstanding Our Stand. Withstanding Our Stand. You know, there, there, have, there really is no reason for us to expect anything good in this life to come easy. Have you figured that out by now? Uh, not everything in life and not many things in life come naturally easy, but uh, many times we face obstacles. But I know this, as a Christian, the more we do for God, the more we can expect Satan to oppose us. Uh, the devil's not happy when we're living for God, when we're trying to stand for the Lord. Paul certainly, in the Bible, Paul knew, and I hope this is something that either you know or you'll come to know, Paul knew that opportunity and opposition go hand in hand. Opportunity and opposition. Now, we see this in the verse that I had you turn to in 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and verse number 9. Notice what he says here to this church in Corinth. He says, for a great door... And effectual is open unto me, and there are many, what? Adversaries. The devil is always fighting. The devil is always pushing back in our lives as we're trying to live for the Lord. But the good news is we do not have to live or fight our battles in our own strength. God is the one, like this morning, who gives us his power, and he gives us his resources. And listen... Can I just tell you that if we rely on His resources and we rely on His power, we cannot be defeated. Why? Because He is the one that is fighting our battles for us. Now, in the Old Testament, I see a great example of this. If you remember the days where God's people were in Egypt's land and they were being made uh, slaves and they were, they were basically working under taskmasters, and God said, listen, it's time that, that, that my people come out of Egypt. And in the Bible, Egypt is a type of the world. And so God selects a man, and his name was Moses. Now, we don't have time to go into all of it, but Moses, kind of an interesting man that God used. If you remember the conversation he had with God was that, God, I, I can't. I, 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 I can't get up and I, I can't speak to, I, I'm, I'm not an eloquent man. And so God says, okay, I'm going to take that excuse away. And so Aaron becomes his spokesman. And so they go in and, but boy, this whole thing, just chapter after chapter in our Bible, but really incident after incident, all the many plagues that God brought on Israel. And the, the amazing thing is, listen, here's what the Bible says time and time again. God was the one that was hardening the heart of Pharaoh. See, Pharaoh was just being used by God. Now, as one of those incidents where they go, 
Moses and Aaron, they go in and they confront Pharaoh. And as they do, they demand, because it was God's wish, that he would let the children of Israel go from their bondage. And in this particular instance, they were met not only by Pharaoh, but by the magicians of Egypt. Now look in your notes there in Exodus 7. Moses and Aaron went in unto Pharaoh, and they did so as the Lord had commanded. And Aaron cast down his rod before Pharaoh and before his servants, and it became a serpent. Then Pharaoh also called the wise men and the sorcerers. Now the magicians of Egypt, they also did in, in like manner with their enchantments, for they cast down every man his rod, and they became serpents. But Aaron's rod swallowed up. Their rod. I mean, listen, it, it stifled these magicians that they had this kind of power over what they could do through their magic, through their enchantments. Can I say tonight that no obstacle that Satan places before us can overcome the power of God? No obstacle. Satan has deceived many, listen to this, with the lie that any religion will do. That's his lie. Any religion will do. Gandhi said this, and I'm not a follower of Gandhi, it's just a quote that I saw. Here's what he said, like the bee gathering honey from different flowers, the wise person accepts the essence of the different scriptures and sees only the good in all religions. We live in a day where, as somebody said a while back, look, why can't we all just stop arguing about religion and find some common ground and coexist? That's what man wants to do. Now, there is a foundation that was born out of that kind of thinking. It's called the coexist foundation. The Coexist Foundation, this is their words, I'm reading, end quote, the Coexist Foundation was established to promote better understanding between Jews, Christians, and Muslims through education, dialogue, and research. We hope to help people of these faiths to improve their relations. Now, when you listen to that, it face value, it seems like a worthy cause. It seems like peaceful harmony. But the problem is, is that all faiths of this world are diametrically opposed to each other. That's why you have so many faiths. Because each one believes something different. For instance, Christians believe that Jesus came and that he was the Messiah. Jewish people believe that Jesus is yet to come. The Messiah is still to come in the days ahead. Muslims believe, or excuse me, Islam believes the Savior of the world will come and establish Islam over all other religions on the earth before the end. See, to some, they would say, Pastor, what's the big deal? This just seems like semantics. But at the core of each faith, these beliefs actually hold fundamentally different ideas. Now, you're staring at something that 
maybe you've seen before. How many of you have seen this? It's, in case you can't read it, it says coexist. So here's the thing is that this is something that is prevalent in our day. By the way, nothing new. It's been out for quite some time. But I want you to think about this because the letter C is a crescent moon that represents Islam. The letter O is a peace symbol, which many have known that for years. But it stands for pacifism. In other words, for, for peace, for not going to war, for not raising arms. And then you have the E, which is a male and female symbol, which today is represented by the LBGTQ rights, also dealing with the scientific equation. The X is the star of David that represents Judaism. The I is for a pagan witchcraft symbol representing paganism. The S is a Chinese yin-yang symbol representing Taoism and Confucianism. And the T, of course, all of us pretty much know that represents Christianity because it's a cross. Now, I hope, I hope you're aware enough to know that all of those faiths believe something totally different. Every last one of them. Now, one pastor said about this coexist. He said, it's nothing more than a plan of the enemy to distract and pull down, to steal, kill, and destroy the faith of every Christian as the end times near. You see, the, the, the devil, by the way, there's a verse in the Bible that says that's exactly what the devil was. What he does is to, to kill and to steal and to destroy. And what he wants to do is he wants to take away the faith that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is one of many ways that he's doing it. In reality, as we think about coexist, it ignores the core beliefs of most religions. Now, we are not a part of religion. We're a part of Bible Christianity. But there are many religions in the world today. And that's why I love what the Bible has to say, because when you think about who we are and what we're about, it brings me back to one of the great verses in Deuteronomy 6, in verse 4 and 5. Look at it there if you have it. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. He's one. He's not many. It's not a plethora of gods, all right? Our Lord, notice what the Bible says, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy might. In the New Testament of the Bible, Jesus made a very exclusive claim that I just read as we were thinking about Gladys in John 14, where he said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, and listen, there's no other way to get to heaven but by me. Now, some people say, well, listen, that is too exclusive. No, that's Bible. That's the Word of God. Now, this coexist as well as others, and there are many attempts, but this coexist is really an attempt at what is called religious pluralism. 
I'm using terms here that you may or may not be familiar with, but religious pluralism, let me define it for you, and these are not my words. Religious pluralism is the belief that people who embrace different and even conflicting religious views can and should seek to live in harmony with one another while celebrating each other's religious distinctives. Pluralism, here it is, holds that two or more religions provide equal paths to God. I think we have a little visual of that right there, that whatever religion it is, that all roads lead to heaven. You can get to God through any of these. This is what pluralism teaches. Now, some of you that Google a lot, if you probably have been on what's called Wikipedia, Wikipedia defines pluralism as an attitude or policy regarding the diversity of religious belief systems coexisting in society. Now, say, Pastor, why are you talking about this? Because the current trend in America is away, going away from our Christian heritage and going towards what is known as pluralism. Listen, all of us, just get together. Let's just break down these walls. Well, listen, can I tell you, the Bible still says, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Are we a Christian nation or not? Now, oftentimes, listen, it's a blurred subject now because, oh yeah, it's printed on our money. But we don't live as if we are a nation that is one nation under God. So we have this pluralism. Our, it, it's pretty sad, but even our nation's leaders today have a determination to give credence and much attention to religious and social beliefs that absolutely deny, listen, absolutely deny the teachings of the Word of God. And this is our leaders in our nation. In an attempt to show their broad-mindedness and acceptance of all people, we are seeing a movement away from the name of Jesus. You see, the name of Jesus. Hey, listen, Christmas time. Nobody wants to hear the word Christmas. Merry Christmas. In 2009... While in office, the highest office in our land, President Barack Obama spoke at Georgetown University's Gaston Hall. As he spoke there, behind him, and I think the next picture might show it, is a, and it's real hard to see, are you able to blow that up? Can you, can you advance that? Maybe not. I don't know if you can see that, that little arch, that, that little brown structure in the middle there, but right at the peak of it, there's a gold-looking thing right there, and you can maybe look it up sometime. There's three letters there. Here's what those letters are. Can you see them now? Maybe not. It's still a little fuzzy. I-H-S. Now, in case you don't have an idea of what that is, the monogram I-H-S is actually the first three letters of the name of Jesus. This is at Georgetown. You say, why IHS? Well, 
the letter I is the Greek letter iota. The second letter that looks like an H is really the capital Greek letter eta. And the third letter is a capital sigma, which is like our S. Well, because of Greek, there's no J in the, in the language, the Greek language. And so they have what looks like an I in our language with an asterisk, which has a different sound to it. So if you've ever heard the name Iesus, how many of you have heard that? Iesus, all right? So it's the name of Jesus. So, so you have the first three letters of the name of Jesus, which represents Jesus himself. Now, when Barack Obama spoke there in Georgetown, here's what happened. They blacked out those three letters. They covered them up. During his address, now here's what the universe, I'm just reading verbatim. The university spokesman said this, in coordination in coordinating the logistical arrangements for the event, Georgetown honored the White House staff's request to cover all of Georgetown University's signage and symbols. What's interesting, though, is past presidents and past presidents' wives, who also had spoke at Georgetown in the past, had never requested the covering up of any religious symbols. But when he spoke there, he wanted it covered up. Now, as pluralism rises, and it is, there will continue to be a concentrated effort to place the name of Jesus on a shelf with all other gods. In 2016, while he was still in office, President Obama made another interesting remark. Now, he wasn't at Georgetown. But here's what he said this time. We believe in the inherent dignity of every human being. We believe in pluralism and tolerance, interesting word, and respect for free speech and freedom of religion. Now, these words that you're looking at right here were out of his mouth, the highest office in our land. And this is coming from a man who believes in tolerance for everyone, as he said, except for those who believe in the biblical family, in those that, who believe that Jesus is the only way of salvation, except for those who believe that there is a moral definition of what is right and what is wrong that is found in the Scriptures. See, they say they're tolerant, but they're really not. Pluralism, here it is. It says all choices are equally right. Those who insist, those who insist on pluralism, they cannot bear the freedom of those who have singular beliefs. One God and one Lord. In other words, Christians. Pluralism eventually denies liberty to those who say that there is a right and that there is a wrong and today, those people that say there's a right and a wrong are usually Christians. So I want to give you, just briefly tonight, the dangers of religious pluralism. And I hope that you take this with you. I hope it raises your spiritual antenna. And I hope maybe it would help you in the days ahead to see the evil that is being spread throughout our land. Notice the first danger. 
Pluralism is a cultural expectation. It's not a biblical one. This is something that culture is dictating. It's not something you find in the Bible. Now, I want you to see what the Bible does say, though. Notice in 2 Corinthians 6.14, and listen, Christian, be ye not unequally yoked together with who? Unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? What communion hath light with darkness? What communion and concord hath Christ with Belial? What part hath he that believeth with an infidel? Look, as Christians, if we refuse to confront the false religions of the world today, what we are really doing is if we don't confront them, we are approving their beliefs and ultimately we are failing to point people in the way of Christ. You see, understand tonight that this pluralism that even the leaders of our land are pushing off on us, it is something that the culture is expecting. It's not something the Bible is teaching. Notice the second danger, and this is a big one. Silence is not an option. We're living in a day, listen, can, can I borrow, and I, I really hate to do this, because I know where it kind of came from, but why can't the Christians come out of the closet? Seriously. If sinful people can come out of the closet, why should God's people go into it? If there ever was a day to stand, but instead we are silent. We say nothing. If the church, and that's God's people, if we refuse to speak boldly, and I realize even a message like this is not one that people really want to hear. I wouldn't be preaching it if God didn't give it to me tonight. But I'm going to tell you something. If we refuse to speak boldly the message of the gospel, then the Christian faith will soon be engulfed by religious pluralism. We, we Listen, it won't be long, folks, and I think it's almost here that the church is just going to become another option for the many different choices. But what does the Bible say in Ephesians 5.11? Look at it. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. Say something. You know, what's the slogan? See something, say something. Well, why don't you do that, Christian? Do you realize if we were being the salt and light that God wants us to be, we would make a difference in this world. But instead, we're silent. Silence is not an option. But I want you to notice the third thing tonight, and this is a big one. Doctrinal purity is at risk. The doctrines, the teachings, Jesus' teachings is what's at stake. Listen, can you not see in our land how they're wanting to redefine the home, how they're wanting to kill innocent babies. Can, can you not, I, I could go on and on and on. Can you not see, understand that we, we have to, listen, do not be silent and understand that what we are all about tonight is not 
It's not about us being right. It's what thus saith the Lord. Paul was writing to not only Timothy, but to Titus. And he wrote to them, he instructed them under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Listen, we think this is something new in our day. You know what it is? They just keep relabeling things. See, even back in Timothy's day, in Titus' day, Paul was instructing them, God used him to help them to faithfully lead the church, even in their day, in a deeply pluralistic culture. And notice in 1 Timothy chapter 6, he says, If any man teach otherwise, and consent not to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and a doctrine which is according to godliness, he is proud, knowing nothing, but doting about questions and strifes of words, wherefore cometh envy, strife, railings, evil surmisings. Hey, nothing good comes out of that. Paul says, look, Timothy, Titus, you need to be aware of this because you are living in a day, they were living in a day uh, that there was a pluralistic society and it is still something going on even to this day. Pluralism suffered probably one of its most severe blows in the Word of God when Paul commented in Galatians 1 and verse number 8. Look at this. But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. Listen, I would hope that it would never happen, but if I ever got up in this sacred desk and said something that was not in this book, I hope somebody would say something. See, a lot of times we hear things and we say nothing. Doctrinal purity is what's at stake. And we need to be aware of this because, look, before long, there's no sense in even carrying a Bible because it's not going to be what God says anymore. It's going to be what every man wants, everyone doing that which is right in his own eyes. That's the world. That's the pluralism. Now, one thing is clear. As we live in a nation that's struggling, and it is, with faith relationships, I get it. Look, even maybe some of you here tonight, I, I know that opinions are heated on every side, but can I just share with you tonight, and I'm not mad at anybody, I'm just a little fired up as a Christian, you know? But listen, as you live for God, as you live for God, many will withstand your stand. Many people are going to say, well, that's what you believe. That's not what I believe. Well, listen, everybody has the right to believe what they want. You know, I can't make somebody believe this or believe that. All I can do is share the truth with them, and I want to do it in a spirit of love. But I just want to say this tonight. Listen, let me encourage you. Some of the stuff I'm talking about tonight, many of the things that we deal with as evil men and seducers are waxing worse. If you're going to talk to somebody, let me just let me give you this little bit of counsel tonight. Be respectful when you talk to them. You talk to your family, you talk to your friends, you talk to your coworkers. Be respectful, but listen, you can be listen to me, you can be respectful, but you can hold firm in your faith. Some of you that are parents and maybe even some grandparents in that role Listen to me tonight. <clears throat> you should share with your children what you believe and why you believe it. 
You should share that with your children. Now, look, eventually, see, my, my children, when we raised our four daughters, our daughters knew what we believed. Now, we also knew that eventually, see, they were, they were riding on our faith for many years. But eventually, it was going to come time for them to have their own faith. But we wanted them to see what a biblical faith was. We weren't perfect parents, but we tried to do best according to the Word of God. And parents should educate their children on the, listen to me, the fundamental differences of the faiths. They should understand. Look, you just put the word coexist up there, it means absolutely nothing. But you ought to take the time to explain to them the difference between this religion and this religion. And what sets Christianity apart from all the rest. And while you're doing that, while you're being respectful, while you're holding firm in your faith, let me just say to you that you need to remember all the while what the Lord taught. And it's right there in your notes, and I want you to see these verses, and we're done. Look at Matthew 5. Look what Jesus said in the great Sermon on the Mount. He says, look at this, Ye have heard that it hath been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But look at these next five words. But I say unto you, Notice what he says. Love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. And pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. Listen, I'm not talking about being mean to somebody. It, it, look, it's not about us being right and them being wrong. But it all boils down to this. What's the truth? Because they're gonna, if you stand for truth, they're going to withstand your stand. And I wonder if you're still going to be standing in the days to come. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this evening. Pray that you'd bless your words tonight. Lord, I pray that this message, although different, that it was received well pray that even the spirit with which it was given, Lord, help us to not be silent in this day and help us to realize, like in Timothy and Titus's day, that the culture is always going to be trying to dictate and pull, but the only thing that really should matter is what does the Bible say? What does the Word of God have to say? Lord, I pray that you help us if we start allowing the landmarks to be removed and moved what's going to be left in the days ahead. Bless this invitation tonight in Jesus' name. Would you stand with me tonight with our heads bowed, our eyes closed, and if you'd like to come tonight, maybe you'd just like to come and get on your face with the Lord and just say, Lord, help me. I learned something tonight, or help me. I, I see the, the dangers that are out there. Some of you might know somebody that's caught up in this. You might want to just come and pray for them. Whatever it is tonight, let's be a Christian. Let's love people, but let's stand firm in our faith. Brother Kenny, why don't you lead us in the song, would you?